Hello, lovely people. Welcome to another installment of Antisocialite, um, the podcast where I am the worst at being the best. Um, so then who wants to be the best besides maybe everyone? Okay, but today is um, part two of my installment of a conversation with one of my best friends and Aussies, um, China. And so if you haven't listened to part one, definitely stop what you're doing and go listen to that because I think it's important to get a good background on China and just how funny and awesome she is before we dive into a more serious topic. Um, Still lighthearted and fun, but um, more about why she's such an inspiring badass with an awesome career um, and life journey to Manhattan. So keep listening. Yeah. Okay, so one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show to talk to you today um, is because you're one of my big inspiring friends that I have. Um, (laughs) I say that as Linus is squeaking a toy rat. I'm really sorry if you're listening to this and you can hear it. Um, But really inspiring in terms of like career journey, um, especially how it's evolved from when you were in high school to now. Um, And I know you wrote an article, was it for Facebook or for Uber for their blog? It was Facebook. Okay, yeah, they had you write this article. And I remember, I don't know if you've brought it up in person, but I remember I clicked on it in LinkedIn um, while procrastinating at work one day, as I usually do. And I found it like really inspiring and I was like, oh, that's my friend. And so I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that and just like your, your background um, and how you got to the position you're in now. Yeah. Um, So I guess a big part of it is thanks to my mom. Um, who will not be listening to this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) She, she's always really pushed me to go into STEM. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it. I thought she was just doing it because that's what she wanted me to do. But I think she really saw that that's, that was my calling, if you will. Yeah. Like Um, less about, oh, I think you can make money doing this and more like, you'd be good at this. Like, and also I enjoyed it. Yeah. So she was the first female engineer hired by the Queensland government and like civil engineering. That's crazy. She designed a ladder in our dam. Hey. Yeah. She's climbing the corporate ladder. <laughs> Literally. She's like, I built the motherfucking ladder. Absolutely. And. Damn. Yeah. Literally. Damn. So. When I was in high school, I wanted no part of it, naturally, because my mom was telling me to do it. Yeah. I didn't like school. I had, at the time, undiagnosed ADHD, which... No. I have no idea how no one caught on. Yeah. I would literally sit on top of my desk in class instead of... In a chair. In a chair, or I'd sit on the floor... I have never been able to stop talking. I don't think I've ever stopped talking for more than five minutes in my life. I talk no. in my sleep. It's really good for podcasting. <laughs> it's really great. Um, but yeah, so not a great student. 
And I actually wanted to go into fashion. Yeah. When I was in grade 10, I think, I wasn't, I didn't apply myself so much. And I went to a school that really emphasized science and technology. And I was like, I was getting decent grades. Like I was getting B's without doing any work. My mom was on, you know, first name basis with my teacher, my math teacher, because I would never do my homework. And so one day I got an email that the school was taking me out of science class and putting me into a retail course, like a certificate to in retail or something. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I kind of like this science thing. How about you don't? Um, anyway, so I told my mom about it. She was furious. It yeah. was also an all-girls school that was supposed to be, you know, encouraging women yeah. into STEM and like supporting them, do, like, yeah. you know, doing their thing. Anyway, Not like, I still don't think you need a certificate to go work at them all. Exactly. And so my mom, I only found out recently that my mom went to the school. So she, she emailed them and was like, yeah. you are absolutely not taking my daughter out of science. And then she also went to the school and basically said to the guidance counselor who like made this decision, like, yeah. you need to get off your high horse, start thinking about these children and their future instead of what the school is going to look like in their final scores and like all of this stuff, because that's a big thing that they did. Yeah. They're like, we allegedly. just want the grades to be inflated. Yeah. Anyway, so I stayed in science. I ended up doing quite well. So in Queensland at the time, they've changed it now, but we used to have what they called OP ratings. So similar to your SAT score. Okay. But it's, the OP rating is all that matters to get into uni. Okay. So, and it's between, I think, one and 24. One will get you into medicine. Um, like. So you want a lower number. You want a lower number. 10 will get you into like business. 15, 20. 20, you probably would have to go and do another course yeah. before going to uni. Anyway. My school did a bunch of like practice tests and all of that. I was projected to get, I think, between a 15 and 18 because I did not try. Like, I was not a good student, as I said. sounds like the ADHD. Yeah. I ended up getting a five. And so smashed that out of the ballpark. Yeah. And yeah, so... Do you guys have baseball in Australia? No. Oh, I mean, it exists, but it's not big. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, ballpark. I'm like, you've been dating Josh. (laughs) Um, my school actually did do softball. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so I wanted to go into fashion. So my OP didn't actually really matter. I put together my portfolio. I was so excited. Yeah. I did a bunch of rounds of interviews. There's only one school in um, or university in Brisbane that offered fashion design as yeah. a bachelor. And my mom had always said, doesn't matter what I do. I have to go straight out of high school into uni. Yeah. She didn't care if I was majoring in like interpretive dance as long as I was there. Anyway, so I 
got cut right at the end of the process. They usually accepted 30 people. And in my year, they only accepted 15. And I got cut Mm. in that last round. And so I was really upset. Yeah, but devastated. Yeah. Obviously, the next logical step was enrolling to do mathematics. Yeah, you were like, I'm not going to make dresses. Let's go straight to math. That was kind of like me with art. I was like, my parents won't let me do painting anymore. And so I was like, okay, I'll do marketing. And they were like, that's that's not businessy enough. And I was like, okay, we're going to finance. I couldn't do math, though. That's why I did finance, because yeah. no one in finance can do math. We can't. Only the computer can. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. But again, there was, there was one subject in particular that was – it was – essentially a recap of a high school course that I hadn't taken. Okay. And so I put no work into that because it was just boring. I think that was a lot of my um, thing in high school is just that it was kind of boring and so I didn't want to do it. That's very ADHD. Yeah. And I realized that the classes that I did really like were the ones that were really theoretical. And I was like... I don't think I would be happy going into academia. I still, one thing that I think I would love, love, love to do is do a PhD. I would love to go into number theory research. Wow! But it's, it is a field that has very few and far between, uh, eureka moments and i think i would just not be super happy with that i would have fun but i wouldn't be happy yeah well you literally have i remember the first time i saw it i was like what is this are you like into cults because you have this picture on your wall and it's like an old historical like class portrait yeah of what is it again oh my gosh uh... it's so cool so um it is a class photo from I think it was the 1930s. Okay. And it is a bunch of US military men who were being taught how to use ciphers to communicate. And it was because the reason why I have this photo is there's a woman named Elizabeth Smith Friedman who was basically the founder of modern day cryptography in the US. And All through history, it has been written that it was actually her husband who was the key to it all. But once the the documents got declassified, it was shown that Elizabeth had a huge, if not the biggest, role to play. And so I read this book about her. It's awesome. This is their first class that they taught together. And it's 1930s. It's women don't do this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no. Anyway, so this photo that they took, it's probably like 50 men in it. And they each have their head either turned to one side or straight ahead. And that is a cipher. It's a code. It's called a Baconian cipher, which is kind of like Morse code. But instead of dots and dashes, it's head pointed to the left or head straight ahead. And it spells out knowledge is power. Well, actually, it spells out knowledge is pow because they didn't have enough people for the R. So it's like pow, pow, pow. (laughs) Yeah. 
And Pretty powerful. I just think it's so cool. I think she is one of the most incredible people. Yeah. I would 100% recommend anyone to read uh, the book, The Women, uh, sorry, The Woman Who Breaks Codes, I think it is. It's about Elizabeth Smith Friedman. You should go and read it. It is one of the best books I've ever read. Oh my gosh. Wow. Not sponsor, but hey. <laughs> that makes me think of, I have a, a portrait that I've painted of Hedy Lamar, who was like this really famous Austrian actress in like old Hollywood, but she also was like an inventor and she invented what became like the basis for Wi-Fi during like the work. She used it for them to do like frequency hopping or something based on like, I think like piano chords, like something crazy, but she just got like really into inventing and she had like all these patents, but it, (laughs) okay, Linus. Um, But it ended up being like the technology that they use for modern day like wi-fi and i'm like so cool and so i painted her and then i have like a picture next to it from like my art show and then every man on hinge that like likes that picture is like is that you did you paint you and i was like no this was before i was like good at portraits so it didn't look like her very much oh no (laughs) but yeah i think that's so cool that you went in to sim because then you ended up doing that professionally and then i feel like you have a really cool story of how you even made it in America like how you got over here because you weren't originally in software engineering yeah so I after my first just over semester of uni I transferred into computer science because I realized that I love coding and I love I love maths and like those sorts of concepts so it was the best thing for me and one day I was, I was about to walk into a, an exam actually. Mm-hmm. And I had essentially received an ultimatum from my cheer coach that if I didn't find a new job, I would be cut from the team because I was, I mean, it was really fair because I was waking up at 4.30 every morning to go to work. I worked at a coffee shop. Yeah. And, and I this was, was cheer, like just for context, it's like, an athletic cheer like it wasn't like a school thing exactly yeah it's um it's like the cheer netflix series um but it was for a club and yeah so i then was training until like 10 p.m at night so i wasn't really getting much sleep or anything so she essentially said something else to give and you know you make the choice or i'll make it for you oh so I saw a job posting when I was about to walk into this exam that day and it was for Uber Eats, but it was really vague. I had no idea what was going on and I just applied. I was like, screw it. Let's apply. As I'm walking into the exam, I get an email from this guy and it's like, hey, we're having a networking event at the Uber office, you know come by tonight, meet everyone. And that starts off the application process. I was kind of like, Oh, that's a bit, you know, I can't, I don't know if I can do that. I was, I lived kind of far out of town Mm -hmm. and I was at university in the middle of the city. Um, I would have to go home and get back, get changed. Like it was, it was all so much. I called my mom and she's like, you have to do it. Like it's, you're going to regret it if you don't. Yeah. So I went, 
And it turns out that the job I was interviewing for was in sales. Okay. So at the time, Uber Eats was only in a couple of cities in Australia. Yeah. I think it was in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and Gold Coast. Okay. And so I was hired onto a team that was launching Uber Eats in other cities in Australia. Oh. So I think I worked on... It was like 12 or 15 city launches. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I would get restaurants on board. Anyway, I... And this was while you were in school still? Yeah. I was still studying. Um, I was not born to be a salesman. I hate rejection. Yeah. And I hate making phone calls. And I had to do both of those things a lot. So anyway, I, I was doing my sales and stuff and it was fine but I started just automating a bunch of our processes um you know writing scripts and all of that and I would help the operations people with some of their work and whatever and there was a big restructure that happened and essentially we were told you can either move down to Sydney or find a new job And I was still in uni. I couldn't move down to Sydney. And I was kind of actually thinking about it, about going down, especially because my best friends were all moving down there with this reorg. Mm -hmm. But I spoke to the general manager and she was like, look, you don't want to do sales. Like, don't don't uproot your life for a job that you don't actually want. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. I feel like you had some good mentors or like advisors during this time absolutely um that woman is now the global head of uber for business i think yeah she's she is the coolest person in the whole world like she's awesome and anyway so the day that i was supposed to you know go find a new job yeah a team give you a job (laughs) well yeah, uh, the operations team were like, hey, we kind of need help with some stuff. Do you want to stay on for a little bit just for like six weeks? I was like, yeah, sure. And a lot of credit for that goes to one of my other best friends. His name is also Peter. He, <laughs> um, I think he really vouched for me and got it done. And yeah, so I started doing operations work. I continued that until I graduated and I really wanted to go into software engineering. I spoke to some recruiters at Uber and they were like, we're not going to hire a new grad with no experience, move them, pay for them to move to the U S sponsor their visa. Not going to happen. Like get a grip. Anyway. So I was like, well, that sucks. (laughs) Um, You're like rejection. I know this though from sales. Yep. So, um, I like I did a bunch of other job interviews and like had other stuff going, but I was so dead set on going to New York. Yeah. And like that came from my days of wanting to do fashion is New York was always the place to be. Yeah. And so I was like, no, no, no. This guy is not going to tell me that I'm not coming to the US. Yeah. So I had planned a few days after I graduated, my dad and I were going on a six week round the world trip together. And so I emailed, I think like 30 hiring managers in 
New York and SF because I was going to both of those places. Yeah. And I just said, hey, I'm super interested in this work that your team is doing. I'm about to graduate with my bachelor's in computer science and can we chat? Only a couple of them actually responded, but two of them agreed to interview me because I, I said, <laughs> I said to them, I'm going to be in New York and in SF on these days. I am going to rock up to the office. So please interview me while I'm there. Yeah. And they did. And I ended up getting this job offer oh. and I was, sorry, I was given the offer. But I knew it was going to take a little bit to get my visa sorted. Yeah. And they were taking a while to actually send me the contract. And one day the recruiter was just like, oh, we're not going to be able to get you a visa. Sorry. I was no. like, uh, I just rejected all of my other job offers. Like, I'm going to have to, like, what? And I was like, no. Yeah. I said, absolutely not. Not a thing. I knew a few people or... I knew of people who lived over here who had been moved over here with Uber. Yeah. And so I reached out to all of them and got advice on how they dealt with it and all of that. I had to do a bunch of legal research to say and show to the recruiter, like, yeah. these are the steps that you need to take to get me a visa. It's going to be fine. I yeah. You're like, out. this is your job, not mine, but you should know. Like, I am doing yeah. your job for you. Exactly. I listed out step-by-step everything that had to be done. And he was like, okay, sure. All right then. So yeah, I ended up um, getting my visa. And the other sticking point was, as I spoke about a little bit before, I have a bunch of autoimmune issues. Yeah. And I'm on... A lot of intense yeah. and very expensive medication We used medication to have to it. get, like, injections every six weeks, right? At, like, the hospital? Yeah, I would have to go to the hospital, be there for, like, three hours every yeah. six weeks to get drugs infused. And so I was kind of like, I don't know how it works in the U.S. And everyone, yeah. everyone, my parents, friends, family, people that I worked with, people who were offering me the job... Well, like, you can't do this. Like, yeah. the like the U.S. is not a good place to be going right, into yeah. for this. You've got all your care set up in Australia, all of that. Yeah. I was like, okay, telling me that I shouldn't do something. Well, you're only yeah, gonna I'm gonna do, do it. it. <laughs> so, I kind of true. Yeah, I kind of said like, screw it, I'll figure it out, and I came over here and. It was hectic. It was yeah. the first time I'd ever lived out of home and I moved <laughs> to New York. You really like don't skip a beat. You're like, I don't need like a transition and I'm uh, not going to go to Sydney first. I'm going to go straight from like suburban Australia to New York City. Yep. And it was awesome. I, the first little bit was great like work was great I was kicking goals I was making friends I was having an awesome time and then I had some issues with my manager at the time yeah who I 
he was brand new at being a manager. Yeah. And some people are not fit to manage. Yeah. I've, I've actually seen him since and he seems to have gotten better or learned from it. Okay. That's good. But he outright admitted at um, one point that he forgot that I was a brand new grad and he shouldn't have been expecting me to know the secrets to the universe. Yeah. And, but he essentially was. And almost with the like snap of a finger, I felt as though I went from doing a fantastic job, being a great employee, like learning a lot, all of that to not being able to do a single thing right. And I had no idea what had happened. I, I felt like an absolute failure to the point that I was ready to move back to Australia. Oh my God. Are you me in my current job? (laughs) But I, and some, it was, it was pretty bad. Like allegedly, 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 I was told that I had to think and act like everyone else on the team. Otherwise no one would want to work with me. My team were all guys. Um, And a bunch of stuff like that. And I, we, we were working from home over the Christmas break of that year. And when we came back to the office, it was like snap of the fingers again. And eventually my manager and I, we were like speaking in one of our one-on-ones and he said, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you this, but now that it's not the case anymore, I will. I didn't think that you had a future as an engineer or at this company at all. And I was like, no wonder I felt like I couldn't do anything, right? Like, Jesus Christ. And yeah. he said, like, he said, yeah, I don't know what you did, but now that you've come back from the work from home period. Like now that great. I haven't had to work with you as much. <laughs> well, I said to him, I said, do you think that I was a product of your environment? <laughs> well, yeah. I, what it was, um, was like, do you think that I was, I've actually done something that significant to make me go from being an underperforming, uh, worker, like employee to being an over, uh, let me restart that. Do you really think that I have gone from being an underperforming employee to being an overperforming employee in two weeks of working from home or do you think it's a perception issue? And he eventually was like, yeah, I think it could have been a perception thing. And that was really aided by the fact that I kept written records of everything. Anytime I would be asked to do a task, I would email to confirm. I would email status update. I'd email when it's done. So I had everything written. Yeah. And this is actually when I got really close to Chris and Naveen. I was already friends with them, but Chris really helped me out. He, I had tried to transfer teams and that was blocked. Yeah. And Chris was essentially like, no, you can't do that. Like you can't block a transfer from someone who's going through this. And so he spoke to his manager who got me onto another team and everything was awesome. I was having such a great time. I was learning so much. Naveen was my mentor. And I, the experience that I gained in the, I think I was on that team for about six months was incredible. But then COVID hit and 
I, there was a whole long story with my performance review from that previous manager and he gave me a really poor rating. And I, I was just kind of like, whatever. Will you show me his LinkedIn after this? Yeah. I want to see what this rude person looks like. (laughs) Sounds like a bully. Yeah. You'll be shocked. He, like, he's, he's a really good person. He didn't do any of this stuff maliciously. I wholeheartedly believe. Yeah. He just was thrown into a situation where he had, he, he had no experience to actually yeah, and manage he a monitor. Supported. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Uber did massive layoffs. They laid off like 30% of the company and our org, I think that they did it by performance ratings. And mm-hmm. so I got cut because of that review that he gave me. Ugh. He, he, to his credit, felt really bad. <laughs> um, but it's like... You're like, a little late for that now, bud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... That was one of the worst experiences yeah. of my life. It was so bad. Like, being on the team or delay, like, the layoff. I guess all of it, really. Yeah. Um, but then I feel like that was COVID. And then you got another job fairly quick after that. Yeah, so I got hired into a similar but different role at Mm. Facebook. So it was still engineering, but it was client-focused or client-facing. So I worked with big entertainment advertisers at Facebook. Which I feel like is also good for you because you're not like a salesperson, but you are a people person. So like getting to be more client-facing is definitely... I thought that too. Today's sponsor is Josh, also known as China's boyfriend. Of the infinite qualities Josh could list that he loves most about China, for all the anti-socialites out there, he would like to talk about her infectious energy and attitude. China lights up everywhere she goes. She has an uncanny ability to put a smile on anyone and everyone's face and make them feel welcome. And even when she stumbles upon someone who couldn't be more her opposite, she'll quickly find common ground and enjoy new friendship. The world absolutely needs more Chinas. Unfortunately, she's the only one, and she's taken. Sunglass emoji, nerd face emoji, side kiss emoji. Or I guess that's just a kiss emoji. Um, that's really cute. Thanks, Josh. Because of the pandemic, I couldn't travel to get my visa stamped and I had to go out of the country to get my visa stamped to be able to start work. Yeah. There was an option to do it in country, which is what I chose to do, but they said it would take uh, two to four months. Yeah. After four months, they said it'll be another two to four months. By December of that year, so it had been six months since I got laid off, I was running out of money yeah. And I was going absolutely crazy. Yeah. Me and my roommates at the time. I couldn't even, I didn't even realize that you were unemployed for like that long. Yeah. I guess because I must have been in Alaska for part yes. of that. Me and my roommates at the time, we were being very COVID cautious, especially because, yeah. you know, immunocompromised. Yeah. <laughs> and so. And you were sitting out on your freezing balcony. Yeah. <laughs> um, I 
So I was going absolutely crazy. I was running out of money. So I went back to Australia to get my visa stamped. And I had to do two weeks of hotel quarantine. I remember that you were trying to do a bunch of makeup tutorials. Yep. It was so much fun. (laughs) And I, yeah, it, it was so annoying. I waited six months. As soon as I got into the country, like three days, got my visa back. And then guess what was waiting for me when I landed back in New York? Like the approval paperwork? Yeah. So. You're like, I just spent, because you also had to pay just to like enter Australia. Mm-hmm. I had, it was, I think three and a half thousand dollars to do the hotel quarantine. And Ugh. at that time, everyone was getting booted off their flights and they were doing it kind of by like price. So I had to, I booked premium economy seats because yeah. I wouldn't, that, then I was guaranteed to not be the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. So it's more expensive. So yeah. it was really expensive. It mm. ended up costing me about $10,000 to go home that was the rest of my money that was what I had left um the one good thing is because they were really limiting how many people could get into Australia I got upgraded to business class the whole way there and back and it was the best experience so nice that's where they have like the beds yes lie flat beds people keep telling me they live in Australia they're like come visit Australia and I'm like it is so far that's such a long plane ride like I don't know if I can do it like if I'm not there for like three months at a time like I don't know how to adjust I told Josh that like I don't really care that much about money as long as I am not struggling yeah and I'm happy great I don't I don't need things but, but when it comes to traveling to Australia you're I like, need to be able to book business class to Australia whenever I want to go <laughs> yeah I I don't blame you it's so basically I need long. to be a millionaire yeah billionaire Ugh. I don't know how you did it because, like, you guys went to Australia for what? You go back to Australia for crazy short periods of time. You went back <laughs> for a concert. Well, you were there for like a week. Oh my god! And you had just gone. Like, yeah. you just did a turnaround. I don't know how you so, do it. To be fair, I so I didn't go for two years. So yeah, I went for getting my visa, and then two years later, I brought Josh to Australia for Christmas. Christmas. Did we- he see any spiders? Oh, so many. It was so funny. The first day we were there, we went on a bushwalk and we... What is the bush in Australia? Just like the forest? Yeah. <laughs> and um, there, there are massive spiders everywhere. Oh, and no. like on the like... R&R. <laughs> webs yeah. blocking the path. And after he saw the first one, he grabbed a massive stick and he walked in the front and was like waving it around in front of him to like make Gandalf. sure that he didn't walk into any spider webs. That's it was so very funny. sweet. Um, but yeah, so then, so I wasn't expecting to go to Australia then, but we were th- thinking of going to Germany for Christmas with my parent, uh, like my dad. Yeah. And that trip got canceled because of the, when we were looking at booking it, there was all of the You're going to have to tell your dad not to listen to this because he does follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Can you just block him for, like just for a little bit? Yeah. Thank you. Uh. Um, Actually, well, I think if I if I block him, it's gonna kick him off my followers. But just tell him it's nothing personal. <laughs> I can. Hi- he's already my stories are already hidden from him. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's just gonna be on my story. Okay, sweet. As long as yeah. you hide the story, then it's yeah. chill. Um. But yeah, so we're going to um, we were gonna go to Germany. Yeah. That got blown off, so we decided to come to Australia instead. But my mom has recently found her one true love, My Chemical Romance. 
<laughs> and so, I, like, I love My Chemical Romance. Mid-2000s, pop-punk, emo. That's yeah. my vibe. And she really wanted to go. They were doing their world tour. It was supposed to be in 2021, I think. And then it got moved to 2022. And then finally moved to 2023. And... I really wanted to go to this concert. We'd planned it. That was going to be my trip back home, but I'd just been. Yeah. So I was like, screw it. When again. else am I going to fly halfway across the world to go to a concert, let alone a My Chemical Romance concert with my mother? Yeah. And so I had to do it. I had to do it. And I'm so glad that I did. I also got upgraded mm. on the way back. From that as well. I remember your parents, or both your parents came to visit. Your dad yep. was here and we went to a basketball game with uh-huh. him. And then um, your mom came with your stepdad and we went to Korean barbecue and karaoke. That was so and fun. I think your mom and you duetted like the Black Parade. Is it called the Black Oh Parade? yeah, Welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah, like what was it, like a, like a 10 minute song or something? <laughs> And then Josh and our friend Chris, they did Living on a Prayer. So like good. a duet. And then you and Josh actually duetted like some like country song. Yeah, I think we did. Or he did Shania Twain. He did like some. He, I think he did Shania Twain by himself. What did he, <laughs> he did, but what was, what song? It was something about like man. He was singing about a man. Any man of mine. Yep. 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 And then him and I. I think we did Keith Urban. Maybe. It was, uh, I don't, I'm a bad Texan because I hate country music, but Australian people love country. Oh my God. That's why you guys are Texas. You have to be. (laughs) It's just, it just makes sense. It's, (laughs) oh man. I'm trying to think if there's anything else major. I'd say you're an antisocialite because you don't let anyone tell you no, except you respect boundaries. But, like, you know, people aren't <laughs> going to tell you, like, how to live your life. And, like, you're not going to let them hold you back. Or, like, you're not even going to let, like, medical conditions that seem, like, life-threatening <laughs> hold you back from, like, realizing your dreams. Which I find very inspiring. And you also throw a real good theme party. Um, <laughs> there was a period of time where you had the apartment in, in Gramercy and you would throw parties based on the billboard you could see outside your balcony so like whatever whenever ever they painted it with a new advertisement that was like the next theme of the party that was pretty good that was so fun i miss those we need to have we need to have more parties i would have them here but like no one like i feel like people don't want to like come up to upper west side i'll try and get people out to long island see if anyone will come you know what you you are a josh is a tall drink of water and you're a long island iced tea and together, you guys are like the perfect afternoon at the beach. <laughs> I'm trying to think of metaphors. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I'm putting it in, in recording on here that you are pinky promising me right now that you and Josh will take me apple picking yep. by car um, <laughs> in the fall because you guys went last year and I want to go yeah. in third wheel because I just want to go apple picking real bad. To um, be fair. We went with his family I know, you went with his whole family, (laughs) I know, but I would like... It was his grandma's first time ever picking apples. It was so sweet. It would have been my first time as well. Me and his grandma could have lost our apple-picking virginities together. Oh, no. I keep telling Josh that if I I ever convert, I'm absolutely going to have a bat mitzvah because, like, 
I want to party all about me. Like <laughs> our wedding would be about the two of us. There's only one time that I can have a party that's as big as a wedding that's only about me and I love attention. Yeah, you do. I You love attention so much that I forget you have a brother all the time because <laughs> that poor man, he probably knows how to ta- not take up space. He's probably a great boyfriend because he probably just leaves all the space for the woman because he's like, well, China growing up, like I never really could like <laughs> be the center of attention. So he's probably just like real quiet and like reserved. And yes, just, that is him. Yeah, sounds, him to a t. sounds about right. But um, his girlfriend is also quite quiet and reserved. They are a match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I keep asking him when he's going to propose. He outright told me that he will not tell me before he's going to propose. Why? He's not proposing to you. I know. He, okay. I think he thinks I can't keep a secret. That's true. That's probably true. (laughs) I will say it was so hard for me to keep a secret because I helped plan a surprise party for you for your birthday with your boyfriend. And, like, that was a really hard secret to keep, especially because you were asking me about, like, outfits. Like, I had to make it seem like I just planned, like, some dinner that you guys were going to go to yeah. that evening. And then, like, you walked in, you were just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, but that was really fun. That was awesome. And I feel like that's just why I love you guys, because you guys have such a healthy relationship. And, like, he was so excited. I mean, I helped, like, find the place where he was like, okay, these are all the venues and these are the, the prices. And like, I don't even want to know how much money, like there was a minimum that we all had to spend, but he made sure there was like food, like it was like catered and all this stuff. Um, I mainly just came up with a theme and was like, Josh, we should do this. And he was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to contact all these places. Oh, he's so sweet. And that brings us to the end of our China double feature. I hope you guys were just as inspired as I am and continue to be by my lovely um, and fascinating friend. Um, If you like the podcast so far, go ahead and give us a rating on Spotify um, or Apple Podcasts if you listen there. And go ahead and follow us on the gram at Antisocialite Pod, A-N-T-I, like the Rihanna album, um, S. O-C-I-A-L-I-T-E-P-O-D. Whew, I thought I was going to have to record that several times. I can still kind of spell. Anyway, thanks guys for listening. Um, We have an exciting episode coming up in the coming two weeks. This is like a bonus episode um, because I'm aiming for every other week. And the next one should hopefully have video too. So we're getting technological here guys we're getting advanced actually i don't want to use the advanced word because that's probably over promising but yeah we're we're getting there so thanks for listening bye